On today's show, the Hawks suffered their first in-season tournament loss on Friday evening. We'll touch on what transpired and what became a 10-point defeat against the Philadelphia 76ers. We'll get into the nuance, as always, the details, big picture, small picture, and all of that is coming up right now. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1590 of the Lockdown Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Friday evening here in mid-November. And today's show is brought to you by GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account. Use promo code LockdownNBA for $20 off your first purchase with GameTime. And also, the top of the podcast, I should tell you, make this podcast your first listen each and every day here at Lockdown Hawks. Check us out anywhere you get your podcasts, places like Apple or Spotify. We're also on YouTube on the video side. It's been a very busy time. In this space, the fifth show of the week and much more to come in the future. So a great time to subscribe to the podcast right now. And with all that out of the way, we'll dive into what became a 126 to 116 loss for the Hawks on Friday evening against Philadelphia at home. And it's a tournament game. It was a pretty big one when it came to the tournament itself. And the Hawks, of course, lost this game. They were only about a point and a half underdog at home in this spot, despite facing a very, very good Philadelphia team with Joel Embiid, who ended up playing in this game, despite being questionable coming in. But the Hawks did not play their best defensively by any stretch of the imagination in this spot. It's their second straight loss. Also, they are now two and four in the last six games. They're only two and four at home this season, which is not where you want to be if you were a team that's trying to contend at the highest levels of the NBA. And though, We'll touch on this more later on in the podcast, but they're now one and one in the group play stage of the tournament. And they basically, I shouldn't say have to, but they are likely going to need to win out in their last two games against Indiana and Cleveland to have a chance to advance to the quarterfinals and beyond. So in this game, it was back and forth for a large portion of the contest. The Hawks and Sixers, neither team led by more than eight points in the first three quarters of this game. It was a pretty close spot. But then Philadelphia landed a pretty big blow in the fourth quarter, led by as my 16 points. The Hawks were certainly game to the end, but they were not really competitive in the last five, six minutes of this game. It was kind of all Philly down the stretch. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll touch on what transpired now. So if you're new listener to the podcast, what we do here at the top of the podcast, give you the sort of the takeaways, the big picture observations, and then we'll sort of drill down to what kind of transpired during the game, the game flow, et cetera. At the end of the show, we'll talk about the player by player breakdowns of all the guys who took the floor for the Hawks in this game. But We'll start here. The defense was just not good enough on this particular night. And that's going to be the case sometimes for the Talks team. And that's that's an, that's an unfortunate reality of where they are in their cycle and where they are talent-wise is the defense is not very good on the whole. And, you know, we talked about this a lot over the summer and so far this season. There are certainly areas of nuanced differentiation between how bad the Hawks have been defensively for the last couple of years and where they probably could be this year. I think trying to get to the average defensive moniker May not sound exciting, but given how good the offense is, that's kind of all they have to be. But in this game, they were just not good enough defensively. They have a 127 defensive rating to Philadelphia, and you're, you're just going to lose almost every time when that happens to you. Philly is a very good offensive team. They are in the top five in the league on offense, and that has to be noted. So, But even when you sort of adjust for Philadelphia being an awesome offensive team and the Hawks being on the third game in four nights, et cetera, the defense was just not good enough on the whole. Notably, in the second half, Philadelphia shot very, very well from the floor, about 55% from the field and 15-16 at the line in the second half. It also did not help that DeAndre Hunter got ejected, which we'll talk about later on in, in the podcast as well. That took away one of the better defenders the Hawks have on the roster, made them smaller on the perimeter, which doesn't really help either. But And look, they, they ended up with decent two-point shooting, but it was mostly three-pointers. 
offensive rebounds, free throws, etc. Philadelphia shot 43% from three in this game. They were 27 of 28 at the free throw line, so that's just a hat tip. Like, obviously, you can, you can sort, of, sort of control the fouls, but you can't control the accuracy of the opponent, and they made all their free throws in this game. They had 31 assists. Philadelphia also, crucially, dominated in one particular category, and that was turning second-chance opportunities into second-chance points. Philadelphia had 13 offensive rebounds in this game, which isn't an incredibly high number. It's still it's very good, and the Hawks did not, a good, did not do a good job at all on the defensive glass in this game. But the big thing is Philadelphia scored 28 second-chance points on 13 offensive rebounds. So if you do the math there, that is more than two points every time the Sixers got an offensive rebound in this game. So not only did they get a lot of them, they capitalized on them at the absolute highest level, and that really burned the Hawks. In fact, if you break this game down to only the first shot defense, which is a key part of defense in a lot of ways, obviously you have to close the possession as well on the gap, on the glass, but the Hawks did a pretty solid job actually in the half court when it came to just first shot defense, but they were so torched by second chance opportunities that it didn't actually matter. They were just unable to get stops all night long. And look, it was lots of other things too. Like they still have some issues with like back cuts from the from the side from the sidelines, and the Hawks have some off ball issues. Their perimeter defense was not very good in this game. On the whole, Joel Embiid was the best player on the floor in this game. Not a huge surprise for the running MVP to be the best player on the floor, but like guys like Tobias Harris had a big game in this in this, in this spot with twenty nine points, and their support guys made shots. So uh, you know, hat tip to the Sixers for making a bunch of shots. They played very well in this game. I thought offensively, but the Hawks did a pretty good job. In transition defensively, as Sauter noted after the game, the Hawks did a pretty good job getting back, but it was essentially just that second chance defense and they're unable to close possessions. And look, this is the third game in a row the Hawks have faced a team that made their bones on the glass and they did okay against Detroit. They got killed by the Knicks and they got killed by the Sixers in this spot. So does that mean you know anything big picture? Maybe not. I think the Hawks are still, even when you include this game, like an average or better a, a rebounding team this year. But in these three games, in particular the last two games, it has bitten them in a lot of ways. And you know, big picture, the offense was good enough, so we'll talk about it in a second, but the defense just was not good enough between the shooting advantages that Philadelphia had and also the, of course, second chance opportunities that they were able to convert at the highest possible level. Offensively. The Hawks had actually about 1.2 points per possession in this game, and that actually feels really good in a vacuum against a pretty solid defensive team for Philadelphia. They managed to run a lot. They were very good when they got out in transition in this game. Um, 22 fast rate points for the Hawks, and that's a good number. They only had 13 turnovers in this game. They had 14 offensive rebounds. It's usually good when you have more offensive rebounds than turnovers in the game, and the Hawks actually won the possession battle. As I always say on the podcast, the first thing you want to do is win the possession battle because that gives you a good opportunity to win the game because then it comes down to shooting. But the Hawks actually won on the margins in this game. They just lost on the biggest component, which is the shooting efficiency. As I talked about before, Philadelphia is really good as a free throw shooting team, three-point shooting team, etc. The Hawks were actually not terrible shooting-wise in this game. They just were more like league average, whereas Philadelphia was well above that. So the Hawks shot 3% from, from two-point range in this game. That isn't very good. It's not fantastic, nor was it terrible, but it's just kind of eh, meh. And then for three-point range, they were just okay, 35% or so. The Hawks actually shot 80% of the line on 30 attempts. That's actually really good, but not as good as 27 of 28. So all the stuff that Philadelphia did well, the Hawks were just a little bit worse when it came to shooting. And like the combination of the Hawks' top three perimeter guys, Trey Young, DeJounte Murray, and Bogdan Bogdanovich combined to shoot 14 of 42 from the floor in this game. They were better on threes, but just not – you know, not going to be good enough most of the time with those three guys shooting like that. I will note this. The Hawks actually played very well with Trey Young on the floor in this game. Um, there's been a lot of talk and some of it just kind of outrageous talk and some of it more nuanced and more reasonable for sure. But 
Um, after so far this season, basically, the Hawks have been the inverse of normal. Like for the last several years, the Hawks have been much better with Trey on the court than off the court. This year, it's been the opposite until tonight. Um, DeJounte, Murray minutes have been really good, et cetera. Tonight, it was the exact opposite. In fact, the Hawks were plus 12 with Trey on the court and minus 22 with Trey off the court. And minus 22 for Trey off the court, that came in 11 minutes. So Trey played 37 minutes. The Hawks were plus 12 in those minutes. And the Hawks lost this game by 10 points. So they just got obliterated. I mean, and I mean obliterated without Trey on the court in this game. Is that There's probably some... There's some, uh, you know, randomness there, some variance there, but uh, certainly it jumped off the page to me watching the game and uh, all that fun stuff. But anyway, the Hawks were pretty solid offensively in this game. They were, they were not great in the half court. I will certainly acknowledge that. But when you factor the whole thing in, if all you say is the Hawks are going to score 1.2 points per possession against anyone, they're going to win more often than they lose. Even with a, a defense that's not that's not very good right now, just candidly, that's still going to be a good enough. Like right now, just to give you an example of where the Hawks were in the pecking order of the offensive side of the floor in this game, I believe the number one offense in the league this season is Indiana. Indiana has about 1.22 points per possession. That's the league leading offense. So the, basically the Hawks had either the number two or three offenses in the league when you compare that uh, to how they played tonight and they lost by 10 points because they couldn't get stops. So Anyway, half-court offense, certainly a problem. We'll talk, about, talk more about that later on in the podcast. But the biggest thing tonight, simply put, is that the Hawks were not able to get stops. And even when they finally did get some stops in the half-court or first-shot defense, they couldn't close them out, and that bit them for the second consecutive loss in the spot. All right, we'll have much more on this game, including the game flow and how this one transpired. But first, they were from our sponsors on today's podcast. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp, and with the holidays approaching, this time of year can be a lot. I know that it really is for me sometimes as well. It's natural to feel some anxiety or even some sadness about it, but adding something new and positive to your life can counteract some of those feelings. Therapy can be a bright, can be a bright spot amid all the stress and change. It can be something to look forward to, something to make you feel grounded, and even give you the tools to manage everything going on in your life. And therapy is also helpful for learning coping skills that are valuable for you. It can also help you get to set boundaries that are valuable in your life. It also empowers you to be the best possible version of yourself. If you're thinking of starting therapy right now, the best place to do that is giving BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and it's designed to be convenient and flexible and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire and they'll actually match you with a licensed therapist. If you ever want to switch therapists at any point, you can do so at any time for no additional charge to make everything easy for you at BetterHelp. Find your bright spot this season with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash MBA today to get 10% off your first month with BetterHelp. That is betterhelp.com slash MBA. One more time, BetterHelp. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash locked on NBA. Today's show is brought to you by Game Time. You should never have to worry about buying tickets to a big event. And with Game Time, you actually never have to worry. They have last minute deals and tickets for football or basketball or baseball or concerts, comedy, theater, and much more. It's incredibly easy to navigate Game Time as well to find about tickets for any event in your area. They have zone deals as well for an average of 18% savings. And at Game Time, you can view all of the seats in the venue you're looking for. And that really helps you to know exactly what to expect when you arrive at that venue. They have all in pricing as well at Game Time. You can, you can know your total upfront without any of the hidden fees that some other places have. You also have peace of mind with game time, and the game time guarantee means that you'll always get the best possible price. Take all of the guesswork out of buying tickets by using the game time app right now. Download the game time app immediately, create an account, use promo code Lofton MBA for $20 off your first purchase with game time. Terms apply again. Create an account, reading the promo code is locked on MBA for $20 off your purchase. Download the game time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. All right, we'll dive in now to what transpired in this one, and uh, defensively. 
Uh, it was Murray on Maxi to open the game. Tyrese Maxi has, has had a great year. He actually was just okay in this game tonight, uh, but he's been really good this year, and they kind of keyed on him a lot in this spot. A lot of highlights early on in this one from Atlanta. Jalen Johnson had a, had a nice drive and dunk on over MB in the first like minute and a half. Trey had a, actually found him on the backdoor lob after that as well. And then Trey made DeAnthony Melton fall before three-pointer. So lots of uh, excitement and energy in the building in the early going of this one. And B, though, set the tone early. He had nine points in his first four minutes, including a step back three. You have to just like tip your cap on because, you know, Embiid is good enough on his own. That was actually his only three in the game. It was just a, a wild shot that he made. But um, the Hawks actually ran a nice, a nice out-of-bounds play where they got Murray downhill against Maxi. And Maxi's a pretty shaky defender, kind of underrated in that aspect. Um, but Murray struggled in this game, which we'll come back to later on. Um, rotationally, uh, it changed the second half because Hunter got ejected. But before that, in the first half, it was a nine-man group, same one as Wednesday with Wes Matthews playing. By the way, Quinn Snyder was asked pregame about Wes Matthews and his minutes restriction, I believe, by Kevin Chouinard of Fox.com. And uh, he basically acknowledged that like he still has one. They might watch him on back-to-back, et cetera. Kind of, um, he didn't say this specifically, but I, I kind of think that they rested West without actually resting him when it comes to like the injury report. But I think on Tuesday he was not going to be playing uh, earlier this week and when he, and he didn't play. But I think that more often than not, if it's not a back-to-back, you're probably going to see West Matthews playing. He played well in this game again. Uh, but by the way, this is the fifth DMP of the year for AJ Griffin. It's been a little bit uh, off and on on that front. The Hawks, though, had some issues defending some screening actions from Philadelphia starters in the first quarter. Philadelphia also made a bunch of jump shots at the outset of this game, um, you know, fouling, etc. There was a very, very odd sequence in the first quarter where Philadelphia committed an offensive basket interference on one of the floor. Kind of a weird play, but not crazy, crazy. But then the Hawks did the exact same thing on the other end of the floor. Akongwu had a wide open dunk and just kind of lost control of the ball. Uh, so he got whistled. He actually went through the basket. He got whistled for basket interference. Uh, I made the joke in real time that I'll make now as well. But if, if Capella did that, people would have been outraged. But anyway, um, then Quinn Snyder, I think, was a bad challenge. But he challenged that play and lost. Um, it was a low leverage challenge. I think he kind of wanted to back a Kongwu is kind of my guess on that. But it was a weird, bad challenge that he lost. Just a weird sequence all, all the way all the way across. And then in what became a theme in this game, the Hawks had a bad sequence at the end of the first quarter where they actually had a brutal possession offensively where Trey got kind of stuck. And then he, I think he traveled. They didn't call it. And then he kind of launched up a, a pretty bad shot that almost missed the rim even. And then Bogey fouled a jump shooter at the buzzer. So all that said, that was a mess. And that was, by the way, the first of three consecutive quarters where the Hawks had a gaffe at the end of the quarter. And uh, in a game that they lost by 10, you know, it's it's certainly worth keeping that in mind. They were not executing at the highest level when it kind of mattered. Now, the Hawks had their, had their two best runs of the game in the second quarter. They actually opened the second quarter with a 12-0 run to take the lead. They hit threes on the first, on the first possession of the quarter. And it was Trey assisting on both of them to Okongwu and then to Bogdanovich. They got nine consecutive defensive stops in that run, which, by the way, they had a 127 defensive rating in this game. And at one point, they got nine stops in a row. So the rest of the game, not so good. Um, anyway, Philadelphia didn't score for almost four minutes. And crucially, that came without Joel Embiid on the court. Um, not quite as stark as Trey, but Embiid was plus 16 in his minutes. And they were minus six with Embiid off the floor. And a lot of that was that same run early in the second quarter when they were not the same team without him. I thought Bay was really good in that stretch. He had, he had seven points, made some nice possible plays. He's not a, I'll say this, he's kind of allergic to passing. Like Sadiq Bay does not pass. And when he does, it's not a great uh, mechanism usually, but he was quite good in that in that run, which is uh, worth noting. 
as soon as Phil, uh, Embiid came back in the in the game, though, they kind of re- they kind of settled in. But actually, another big run in the second half of the second quarter, I should say, they got some uh, some stops in a row. Capella had a nice rebound where he kind of started the break to Jalen Johnson. He drew a charge in Embiid, etc. They were down by one uh, at the break after allowing a three point play in the final seconds. Which again, that's number two in a row, quarter by quarter. Um, and they didn't shoot it fantastically, but again, they ran wild in the first half. In fact, I think they had like 15, 16 offensive uh, um, fast, rate, fast, fast rate points, which is a ton in a half. But defensively, same old story. Um, in the third, so we'll stop here for a second. The uh, Hunter got called for a tripping foul while laying on the ground after taking a what was an uncalled charge against Joel Embiid. That's where things started. Hunter, if you are new to the program or new to the Hawks, is a very mild-mannered fellow. He actually gets uh, criticized a lot for being kind of just very steady, very boring, kind of robotic in a lot of ways. He's a quiet guy for the most part. This is why this became really weird. So he got a technical foul for arguing a call, and that was already kind of out of the ordinary. I mean, he's gotten them before, but he's, he's not a guy that is, is a big chirper, let's just say. But then he got ejected a few seconds later for continuing to argue. And if you asked me before the game to name the player that got ejected for the Hawks in the game for arguing with an official, Hunter would have been, if not the last guy, certainly on the bottom of the list. But uh, yeah, he just kind of lost it and didn't really calm down. And it, it is it is what it is. Um, Lauren Williams of the AJC did the pool report with Ben Taylor, who's the officiating head. And he actually, Taylor said that the first identical foul was, quote, for continued profanity directed toward a game official. That's why uh, Hunter was called for that first one. And then for the ejection... Taylor basically said the same thing, except he didn't. He essentially just indicated that Hunter didn't stop. They wanted him to stop doing that, and he didn't stop. There were some close-ups that were making their way around social media. Uh, I think Hunter just kind of popped, and that, that happens sometimes. Um, not the full quote that I gave you a second ago, but kind of the gist. That he, he just didn't stop when they asked him to stop, and there you go. But um, you know, sometimes that happens. Like I don't want to. It's not going to. You want to overreact to it. I will say though, for as not fantastically as Hunter has played at times in the last couple of weeks, they could have used him in the second half of this game. The Hawks played smaller. They played more worse on defense. And like without Hunter, who again is not like a game-changing player, but they are worse without him, particularly defensively. And when they couldn't get stops, that became notable and they were playing smaller, et cetera, et cetera. Um, more West Matthews in the second half. But even then, the Hawks didn't extend the rotation. I was actually kind of kind of surprised, a little bit surprised that they, they, didn't, they didn't try somebody else because they only played eight guys after halftime. And I said, well, if you, if you include Hunter, it was nine, but basically only eight guys after halftime. And Matthews only played 11 minutes. So they were pretty shorthanded in terms of like playing a lot, guys a lot of minutes in that third quarter. Then, by the way, there was an official review, et cetera. There was one more big run the Hawks made in the third quarter where Jalen and Capella, I thought, keyed that run in a big way. They were both very active defensively on the glass. Right after the run ended, actually, Capella uh, actually uh, single-handedly cut to play alive with two tips on the offensive glass that ended up with a Bay three-point play. So that was a good stretch from those guys. I thought both of them kind of keyed that thing, uh, but that didn't last long. And then the big run that put Philadelphia kind of in charge for the for the remainder of the game was an 11-0 run at the end of the third quarter with Trey off the floor. In fact, it happened as soon as Trey left the game. So it was pretty stark. The Hawks just couldn't score, honestly. Murray and Bogey were struggling during that stretch. There was one nice three by Bogey at the end of the third quarter where he actually uh, kind of was out of rhythm, like he got caught kind of leaning. He spun, he spun out, out of a play around his pivot put, actually realized that he was open, rose up and just shot it in a way that most guys just can't do. But for the third straight quarter, the Hawks made a brutal play at the end of the quarter. Okongwu got called for loose ball foul with 0.4 seconds to go. 
And that was, again, the third quarter in a row. I think that probably gave Philadelphia six or seven points, those three plays. And that's pretty important by the end of this game, given the way that it went. So uh, the Hawks were down by about 14 with eight minutes to go after some more back-breaking offensive rebounding work from Philadelphia. Trey sat again like he, he kind of has to there, but it got worse when he left the floor. Um, they missed some free throws even. There was a, a horrendous behind-the-back pass from Bogdanovich that ended up being a turnover. Um, they tried to get back in the game a little bit. They got it back to like 10 at one point. But then it was 16 with four minutes to go. Even when they had fast breaks, they didn't really work. There was a, there was a two-on-one that Murray had. They kind of just like pulled out for some reason. I'm not really sure why and ended up being a missed shot, et cetera. It was already mostly over, but then Jalen Johnson airballed a three-pointer by, I mean, I'm, I'm not kidding you, had to be by three feet. It was it was not anywhere close. I don't know what happened. I think he might have just lost the ball or something, but you don't often see a guy miss that badly. It was a weird play. It was probably already over again, but some kind of a weird one. The Hawks did kind of push it down the end because of the point differential aspect of the in-season tournament, which they kind of acknowledged after the game, but never got within, I think, more than like eight in the, uh, I should say, less than eight in the last couple of minutes. So it was pretty much over. They kept pushing, but uh, not a valiant comeback, no miracle. Even Snyder kind of acknowledged that, like, they would have had to have everything go right to win the game in the last couple of minutes. And uh, they just kind of wanted to make the margin closer. And they did that a little bit. But anyway, that's where they were. So big picture before we move on to the player-by-player stuff in this game. I'll just say this. Like, losing to Philadelphia with Embiid and Maxi, et cetera, even at home is not a disastrous result. Philadelphia is nine and three this year. That's a really good team. Uh, it's more that the Hawks, a, this is a tournament game. And I think they care about that a little bit. I'm not sure how much, but they, a little bit. And also look, it was a third, third game of four nights, et cetera. It was just the fact that it was kind of just a frustrating performance. Like defensively, they just didn't have it in this game. Uh, I think that there's, been some panic and there already is some more panic tonight from what I've seen about the Hawks not playing all that well right now. And I agree, like they're not playing fantastically. They're six and six this year. That isn't where anybody wanted to be, but they're still, I think that comparisons to last year, a little bit premature. I think this is a team that has more going for it in a lot of ways than last year. The underlying data is better this year than it was last year. The schedule has been pretty, pretty frisky at this point in time. Like the Hawks have not had a lot of, uh, not, not a lot of obviously positive, Schedule spots like Wednesday was a bad, bad spot against the Knicks and they lost tonight. You're playing the Sixers. It's a good team. Like their losses other than the Hornets loss. They don't have another bad loss. Like they lost to the Thunder on the road. That's not a bad loss. The Knicks at home twice is not great. You want to always split those, but still the Knicks are a good team. They lost to the Heat. That was okay. That, that's probably a bad loss. Give me the way that Miami uh, did not have their guys, but even then Miami's just like Miami. They just do stupid stuff. So anyway, uh, I'll zoom back in now, but it's just one of those things where, like, I understand frustration. They're not playing well right now. They're two and four at home. That can't happen. But I think that uh, it's worth taking a deep breath at this point in time, especially as the Hawks have three days off after this. Anyway, we'll have more on this in a second. Before we get to that, though, we're with more sponsors on today's show. Today's show is brought to you by PrizePix, and PrizePix is the largest DFS platform in North America and is also the most exciting and easy way to play daily fantasy sports. And at PrizePix, pick two to pick two to six players, choose to actually have more or less than a certain number of points or rebounds or any other stat across the board. When up to 25 times the money on your entries, with basketball season now in full form, you can pick combo projections across football and basketball. For instance, for the Specials League, which is a league created specifically to have combo projections that include two more players from different sports or different leagues. They have a huge selection of sports and stat types not offered anywhere else over at Prize picks. They offer projections on the NFL, NBA, NHL, PGA, and much more. They have a re- reboot policy as well, so their entries can stay in play even if one of your players happens to get injured. 
football or basketball. If you have a player that exits the game in the first half, does not return in the second, that player becomes rebooted. And Prospects is the only DFS platform with an injury insurance policy. I really enjoy checking out Prospects for quite some time now. I'm digging in all the time on the NBA space and through the NFL as well. And on the whole, the experience is fantastic at Prospects. It's easy. It's fun. I recommend it at the highest level. At Prospects.com slash LockedOnNBA is the place to go. Use that promo code. It is LockedOnNBA. For a first for a first time deposit match up to one hundred dollars. One more time, that is prizepicks.com slash locked on MBA. Use promo code locked on MBA when you get there. Check out daily fantasy sports made easy with prize picks. All right, and to the player by player stuff in this game. Nine guys appeared. Wes Matthews was the ninth of nine, played 10 minutes, missed both of his three-point attempts, actually got to the line four times, but had two points. Um, defensively, he brings a lot. You know, Quinn talked about how he gives him toughness and moxie, I believe is the word that he used. I agree with all that. He was just okay. I think he played about as much as he possibly could have in this game, given that Hunter left the game. But I thought he was just fine, but they, he didn't give him a ton. Um, Akongwu struggled in this game. 19 minutes for him, um, and I think he probably shouldn't have played any more than that, honestly. Five points, five rebounds. Had a turnover. No blocks, no steals. Three, three fouls, minus six. A couple missed, like, bunnies from Akongwu that he doesn't usually miss. Just didn't have a, a ton of impact in this one. I think he felt a little bit overwhelmed in some respects. Um, he was better earlier this week, so I'm not, like, panicking, but just didn't play that well, I didn't think, in this game. Bogey had a weirdly bad night other than hitting three threes. He was one of four on twos. Um, did have three steals, but had three turnovers as well, minus 14. That was second only to – second worst, I should say, only to Murray. Three assists, two rebounds. A um, couple of big shots, but otherwise he was he kind of just sloppy. He didn't ha- he didn't have his juice tonight. I didn't think uh, Bay. I thought played fairly well off the bench. Seventeen point seven rebounds, had two turnovers, but one assist, one steal, minus five in thirty one minutes. But thirty one minutes is a lot for him. Obviously, he had to come in when Hunter left the game and play a lot of three in the second half. But um, I believe it was yeah, it was four or five on twos, two or four from three. That's the line four times. Defensively, it was not great. I think he, I, could, I continue to think that he's probably. Uh, underrated and the way that he affects the team negatively on the defensive end of the floor in a lot of ways, but I think he does give them physicality, which certainly helps sometimes. He rebounds the ball, etc. Um, yeah, that's that's the, that's the bench for you. To the starters in this game, Hunter again, 18 minutes before the ejection, nine points, one rebound. I talked about this a little bit on the last show, or maybe two shows ago this week. Hunter's rebounding has been a problem for a long time, and it's back to being a problem. It's not been really anything going on there. He's not been physical around the rim. I thought he was okay in this game before he left, but the ejection was ill-timed, let's just say. Um, I thought Capello was pretty good outside of the first stint that he played. So he has been starting slow in games. I'll probably talk about that more later on this weekend, maybe into next week with a guest on the show, hopefully. Um, But I think once he settled in, he was really good. But 17 points and 11 rebounds for Clint in 29 minutes. Had a steal and a block as well. Um, he was minus four, but you know, you're dealing with Embiid. I think, I think he did a pretty decent job. His first stint, though, was his worst stint, I thought, which has uh, been a... I would say not every game, but certainly a recurring trend as he kind of just like has to wake up a little bit. I'm not sure what's going on at the beginning of the game for Clint, but once he got going, he played very well. I think he and Jalen gave him a lot of life in the third quarter in particular, and I think that it was a generally solid performance on the whole for Capella. Uh, Speaking of Jalen Johnson, 36 minutes for Jalen. I believe that is a career high for him. I'm looking this up right now as we speak. My apologies for not pulling this, but uh, yeah, I think that he tied his career high in minutes along with uh, the Detroit game. And I think maybe the New Orleans game. So he's right. He's been right in that right in that range. But obviously, he had, he had to play a lot because Hunter because Hunter was out. Uh, I think he might have been the guy who played the best compared to the normal baseline. 18 points, 10 rebounds, three blocks for Jalen in this game, plus three in a game he lost by 10. Um, he, along with Trey, had the two plus he, he had sort of the two good plus minuses in this game. He was seven of ten from from the field, uh, 0 of two from three, but he was due for one of those for sure. 
Gave them a lot defensively. I thought he played well. He was aggressive. He was assertive. And uh, it was a nice uh, performance from him on the whole. The backcourt was um, kind of a mixed bag. So DeJounte, I thought was really bad. In fact, this is pretty clearly in my mind, his worst game since the opener. Uh, if, you, if you recall, he was very, very shaky. We'll just say to be kind against Charlotte in the opener. But he's been really good since then. Like, I think Murray has gotten a lot of positive attention for for good reasons from some Hawks fans. Like, there's been a whole movement that I've been party to for whatever reason that Murray's their best player. Uh, he's not, in my opinion, nor is it particularly close. But I think that this year, you could argue he's been their best player. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily go that far, but I think it would not be crazy to say that. He's been way more efficient as a scorer than Trey has been. Uh, he's a better defender than Trey, of course. But... In this game, DeJounte was pretty bad. The only thing he really did well was make threes. He was three of seven, but he was two of nine on twos, missed a lot of his normal pull-ups in the mid-range, defensively really struggled, had three assists, three turnovers, minus 18. That was a game worse. And the Hawks just, I, mean, I cannot stress this enough, the Hawks cratered when Trey sat, which is not all on DeJounte, but it's certainly partly on DeJounte. And uh, he was uh, not his best in this game. And then Trey. So Trey, again, did not shoot well. I mean, it's been a recurring theme. I'm not going to tell people how to feel. Uh, he's been doing this all season long. So uh, he wasn't terribly inefficient on the whole when you when you include free throws because he got to the line 10 times, made all 10 of them. So 22 points on 19 shooting possessions is not good, nor is it awful. But again, he was three of eight on twos, and you just can't have that from Trey. So he's going to be better there. Um, Passing-wise, he's really good, 13 assists. So I believe he has 30 in the last two games assist-wise. So he, he was still a positive influence on the offense in my mind in this game, but uh, look, at some point he's going to have to make shots. He knows it. They know it. And uh, I'll leave it there for now, but I think he was at least competitive on defense at times. And then the passing was uh, certainly played up. And once again, plus 12 for, with Trey minus 22 without him. And that is a notable development that I think, you know, it's not all, you know, plus minus does not always tell you everything, but if you watch this game, the Hawks were just a different team when Trey played versus when he didn't, which is a theme that's been familiar the last couple of seasons. Okay. All that said, I'll end with a final reminder that this podcast is going to be coming to you regularly. It still does all the time, but the Hawks do have three days off between now and their next game. They'll have practices, of course, but their next game is not until Tuesday. So their longest break of the season so far, they play Indiana at home. So no travel either. Three days off, all practice days at home. And that is also an in-season tournament game on Tuesday. And honestly, it's a must-win for the Hawks through the lens of the in-season tournament. Now, I will always make fun of the notion of a must-win for an NBA team in November. It doesn't really exist. But because of the tournament, if you care about the tournament, which I know a lot, a lot of fans do, a lot of fans don't, do whatever you want to do there. But if the tournament matters to you, and it does to some level with the Hawks, they got to win on Tuesday, or they're going to be probably done. Because Atlanta's now minus four-point differential in the two games. They're one and one, but they're fourth in the group right now because they're tied with Cleveland as a better point differential than they do. Indiana's two and oh. Philadelphia is two and one with a head to head win over the Hawks. So I think at the very least, the Hawks they probably need to win out to have a chance, either at the wild card or the uh, group play win. But anyway, emphasis on that one. Indiana's offense has been cooking. So this is going to be a real defensive challenge for the Hawks on Tuesday. And uh, again, reali- realistically, I'm not saying it's mathematically this way, but realistically, the Hawks have to win Tuesday or they're probably done when it comes to the tournament. But anyway, just a nice little test. Even if you don't care about the tournament, it should be a fun game. Indiana's been playing well. You got. Trey versus Halliburton, all that fun stuff should be a game to keep an eye on. And we'll, we'll have some podcast content between now and then. Not entirely sure which day, but I'll be recording at least once, if not twice, between now and the game on Tuesday. So stay tuned for all that. And while I'm here, a PSA for listeners who have been 
maybe in and out or folks who have not been making it to the end of the podcast all the time. There is some extra bonus content happening in the audio only feed. So if you're subscribed to the podcast on Apple or Spotify or any of the audio only platforms, you'll be, you've already been seeing, you will continue to see some bonus content from the folks at the Lockdown Podcast Network. By the way, your team every day here at Lockdown Podcast Network and the folks at Lockdown Sports Atlanta. Nothing less for me. I'm still doing my typical four or five shows per week. So uh, we're just going to, we're just giving you more and more to listen to and uh, some bonus content there for you. Also, I encourage you to, to subscribe to the podcast anywhere you get your podcasts, places like Spotify and Apple, of course, Google Podcasts, Overcast. Etc. We also appreciate ratings and reviews on those platforms. I know Apple has ratings and reviews. Spotify has ratings, etc. So all positive things. If you like the show, please tell folks where they can find it, and also um, you know find a friend in your life to spread the podcast word to. Also YouTube as well, where you can like the show and like every episode and subscribe and click the bell, all that stuff too. Definitely appreciate all the support there. Follow the show on Twitter slash X at Lockdown Hawks. Follow me there as well at BT Roll. And I also write about the Hawks on a regular basis at patreon.com slash BT Roll. And that is patreon.com slash BT Roland. Thank you for spending the uh, Friday evening slash Saturday morning or whatever you listen to this podcast with us. Please subscribe to the podcast one more time. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. And we'll see you all next time.